You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Monday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. More phone calls, best and worst of the weekend. Carson Palmer, join us coming up in about uh, 20 minutes from now. As he does every Monday, recapping what he saw over the weekend. Say good morning to our radio affiliates. We are closing in on 400 around the country. Lincoln, Nebraska, 93.7. KNTK-FM. Independence, Kansas, 1010 KINDAM. Decatur, Illinois, 1050 AM WDZ. Sunday night, Carson Wentz, the Colts, go to San Francisco, face off against Nick Bosa and the Niners, Sunday 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. I'm not sure who's going to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers. Do we know if it's Jimmy Garoppolo, McLovin? I think so. Uh, Trey Lance is hurt, right? So I think Jimmy, they keep on saying Jimmy G is progressing, but I'll, I'll double check. You know, the Colts looked okay yesterday. I was curious, the fan base that feels the worst today, because you could probably single out a couple of these, like the Miami Dolphins, Cleveland Browns, New York Giants. Yeah, Paul. I, I think I'm going Browns. You finish off the season last year, you're really good. A lot of expectations. Really pretty good September. Now you're 3-3. Three and three. Pittsburgh's a little better. Cincinnati's a little better. And Ravens are cruising. Hurt offensive line. Both running backs hurt. And Baker is probably going to stay on the field but be hurt all year. That feels It doesn't feel threatening. They don't feel threatening anymore. Anybody else that we would put here? I think the Dolphins. The Dolphins are probably the biggest surprise being this bad. You know, they, they got a gift win against the Patriots, and they've lost five in a row. You lose to the Jags, dramatic fashion. You're not, you don't have a first-round pick. Yeah, they gave it to the Eagles at a dumb trade. Now you're going to be in the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson, or at least it feels like all of the teams that were reportedly interested in Deshaun Watson would still be interested in Deshaun Watson. Carolina, the Eagles, and the Dolphins. But if you trade for him, and I know we haven't heard anything about Deshaun Watson in a while. We haven't heard anything about his lawsuit in a while. We haven't heard about any other possible allegations. Nothing. But if you trade for him, he's probably going to have to sit out eight games when you get him. Like, the NFL will get around to punishing him. The question is, when do you punish him? And you're going to be punishing that team as well. If I'm the Eagles, I'm not going anywhere. Carolina is not a playoff team, and Miami is not a playoff team. Therefore, you already know, hey, we're not going to have him, so what? The Dolphins' situation is tricky because if you're the Eagles, you get that draft pick. And that draft pick could be in the top five, which would give the Eagles three top ten, top eight picks this upcoming draft. But they need a quarterback. And there might not be that quarterback in this year's draft. What happens is, and you could go back that quarterback draft. I don't know what year that was, if that was 2010, but uh, you had Christian Ponder. It felt like there was this, uh, this rush to get quarterbacks. And they weren't necessarily first-round draft picks, or at least high first-round draft picks, I should say. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Dan, that was 2011. Cam Newton went okay. number one. Jake Locker went eight to the Titans. Jaguars took Blaine Gabbard at 10, and Christian Ponder, which you could find a month earlier, he was considered to be a third-round draft pick, went to Minnesota at 12. Yeah. 
Hey, that might happen this year because I don't think you have that franchise, you know, making quarterback. At least it doesn't feel that way. Now, this always happens. It's relatively early in the college football season. And then we're going to get to the end of the season, bowl games, combines, and then somebody's going to uh, emerge. But uh, I, I don't see that quarterback where you go. You know, Matt Corral is an athletic quarterback. Uh, he's fun to watch. I don't know if he's sort of a Baker Mayfield type quarterback, maybe a little more athletic, but, you know, are you going to turn your franchise over to him? I don't know. Yeah, McLevin. I don't understand with Deshaun Watson. How come he's not pushing to play now and force the NFL to, to suspend him or not suspend him? He's just going to wait till next year and face discipline? Well, the Texans don't want to play him. So the, oh. the Texans are not going to – he's a healthy scratch. Because if they put him in, what happens if he gets injured? Like, you, you don't want to take away your bargaining chip here. Right, but doesn't he lose a lot for yeah, not playing but, this year? Yeah, but they don't – they're still paying him. So they, they're probably saying, hey, sit down, shut up. Uh, you don't want to be here. You told us you don't want to be here. We don't want you here, but we got to wait till we trade you or we can trade you. But if I'm a team, I got to wait. Well, these teams that are going to be trading for Deshaun Watson are not good. Yeah, McLeod. Yeah, but then the Texans got their own trade value because people are going to be shot. There's no way they're giving them three first-round picks for a player who may not be available. Doesn't feel year. like that they're going to be. That's why they're still holding out. I mean, it's like the Sixers with Ben Simmons. Hey, we got a guy that's damaged. Give us all. Give us a great deal for him. Not we know he's damaged, so we're going to take less. That's why Ben Simmons wasn't dealt. He couldn't get somebody to pony up. You know what they were asking for. Yeah, Paul. Every Sunday morning, uh, Ian Rappaport and uh, Tom Pelissero and Adam Schefter give a list of players who are out this weekend. And Deshaun Watson's on the list. They never, and I send a note back to them every week, out, why? <laughs> and I send a note to the, actually, the Houston Texans, why is Deshaun Watson not playing this weekend? Is there, is there a designation? Is he suspended? Is he on the commissioner's list? No response. Yeah, it's just a healthy scratch that everybody has agreed to you know, this situation, this is just the way it's going to be. And the NFL doesn't want him out there. Texans don't want him out there. He doesn't want to be out there. All right. Nothing to see here. Yeah, McLevin. That doesn't mean they're all doing the right thing, by the way. I, I would argue the Texans are the most lost franchise in the NFL. Like, they're looking at a decade of terribleness. I, I honestly, I, it, it's like an exhibition team in the NFL right now. Yeah, you know, the Giants, one of the blue bloods of the NFL, they haven't looked good in a long time. They have the worst record over the last yeah, four years yeah, or something. Yes, yeah, that's supposed to be a well-run organization. Yeah, Paul. Here's a hypothetical. The Philadelphia Eagles right now, I think, have three first-round draft choices as of right now. Yeah. If you were the Eagles and could give up two of those for Deshaun Watson, would you do it? Let's say a hypothetical. He was cleared to play in uh, February. There's no more baggage. Well, two top tens. Yeah. Eagles are jonesing for a quarterback. Yeah. He's under contract. Yeah. Yeah, McClellan. I think Deshaun Watts has a no trade and is, yeah. it's been reported he, he would. doesn't want to go. He wants to go to Miami. He doesn't want to go to Philly. No, he doesn't. He wants to go to uh, Miami. By the way, the NFL says it's happy where they are on the taunting penalties. And uh, after piling on the personal fouls the first couple of weeks, they've slowed down a little bit. And, uh, you know, any taunting penalty is one too many. Um, there was a bad one in the final drive of the Bucks eagles game last Thursday night. 
Uh, two biggest taunts on Sunday were in flag. C.D. Lamb sticking the ball in the defender's face as he ran over the goal line. Cowboys overtime win. Aaron Rodgers uh, taunting the Bears fans after running in for a touchdown. Told him that he owned their team. Not that they needed to be reminded. But uh, neither of those are egregious enough as you stand over somebody after you tackle them or you make too much eye contact or whatever ridiculous rule they put in place here. But the NFL says they're content. And, you know, I was told this over the weekend because I, I thought, well, let me revisit this. Why, why the emphasis on taunting penalties? And I was told by somebody with the NFL, well, this is to cut down on fights. And I go, who's fighting? Nobody, nobody's fighting. And, and who gets hurt in a fight? I mean, Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph and somebody's got their helmet off. Okay. That's different. That wasn't taunting, I don't think. But this, I don't know if it's going to lead to, you know, some kind of violence on the field. But you know, these are taunting penalties. Question is, do you want to enforce like CD Lamb scoring that touchdown and taunting? Okay, you're gonna throw a flag on the play? <laughs> What's it mean? The game's over. Who cares? You gonna find him? All right, go ahead, find him. Was it Aaron Jones who did the bye bye? Yeah, a couple years a couple ago. Couple years ago, Aaron Jones was running in the end zone. He gave a bye bye to a defensive back. He got an eleven thousand dollar fine <laughs> for a bye bye. Yeah. Yes, McClellan. Remember the guys used to chase after Cam Newton in two thousand fifteen uh, after oh, yeah. he did yeah. a long dance, but they would never fight. No. But they tried to, you know, have a little skirmish or two just to let him know, you know, in particular when uh, he was he was doing it in their end zone. Then it was, uh, you know, completely different. You're, you're in our on our territory here. Uh, a couple of phone calls. Hoover in New York. Hey, Hoove. That's it, baby. I just want to tell you how important you guys are. I'm preparing for a meeting with my fellow trustees for the uh, county library system, but I have you on the radio, so I'm uh, happy to speak with you instead of uh, talking to my fellow trustees. So, uh, 5-10-175 in my seventh decade, and uh, so, uh, best and worst, uh, best, uh, my son's an Alabama alum, so we had uh, season tickets for 10 years, but now we're back north, so it has to be Alabama coming back, uh, rebounding in that game. Uh, Max Smith, uh, I'm sorry, Mac Jones making that 75-yard pass at the end of the game. Unfortunately, they lost. And Lane Kiffin taking the uh, the high road in the uh, uh, tragedy that happened at that game in uh, Tennessee. I was watching that till midnight the other night, and it was sick. And the worst of the week, the Patriots' defense and Belichick's son is their coach. He's uh, the Lobster Bowl captain's got to do something with that. Uh, that guy who's his coordinator and his son because he's not doing the job. So the other thing I want to tell you is uh, I haven't heard you guys report on the nutmeg bowl when Ross Tucker was making a big deal about it on, uh, hmm. on Friday. And, uh, you know, UConn came back and won the first, they won their first football game in two years. And, you know, there's no, that's a big deal for those uh, UConn people. You know, you work, You guys, are, you know the Connecticut uh, sports scene. I know, but we're not a Connecticut radio station. We're a national one, Hoover. Like, people thought just because ESPN is in Connecticut that, you know, we should focus more on Connecticut sports. That's not what we do. And 
Connecticut winning a game for the first time in a couple of years? The Nutmeg Bowl? No. Nah. Beating Yale? No. Yeah, Paul. Not leading the national radio show with UConn Yale, Dan. You're losing your ratings. Yeah, apparently so. Come on, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I actually Give watched it. Away your ratings. Oh, I've been told that before. I watched that game, UConn Yale. It was it was slow. It was slow. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I left ESPN, and and of course I have stories about ESPN, but I was talking about ESPN, and uh, somebody who was a so-called producer, you know, was saying, you know, yelling at us. Don't publicize ESPN. You're giving away your ratings. And I'm like, I worked at ESPN. It's not a secret. And I was just telling stories about ESPN. You're giving away your ratings. Don't talk about ESPN. I'm like, what do you, what do you know about doing a show like this? I'm going to disavow any knowledge of 18 years there. Yeah. You're giving away your ratings. Uh, Paul in Iowa. Hi, Paul. What's on your mind today? Hey, guys, best of the weekend, second straight win by Iowa State and Farmageddon, the best rivalry in the Midwest. Matt Campbell's first win in the Little Apple. It was a good game, not 45-0 to zero like last year, but still a good game. Uh, other best of the weekend, the, the team out east finally got a loss in the state of Iowa. Yeah. Uh, but my worst of the weekend, Jackson Mahomes went over a barrier to do his pregame TikTok sideline on Sean Taylor's memorial. It's just like the complete lack of self-awareness is cringeworthy, Dan. I know. That was uh, – I felt bad for Patrick Mahomes. You know, his brother, I guess, is a TikTok star, and he was at the Washington game. And they had this area cordoned off that had Sean Taylor's number 21 on it. And – I believe it was clear to everybody that this was the number they were retiring. And his brother, Patrick Mahomes, brother, started dancing on the actual jersey number. And then a couple of weeks ago, he's at a game when they lost, and then he is videotaped, you know, uh, spraying water on fans at the end of the game who are probably, you know, taunting him. Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes is just trying to play. He don't want to answer for his brother, a TikTok star, dancing on Sean Taylor's jersey number. Oh, boy. All right, we'll take a break. We'll talk uh, with Carson Palmer. He'll join us coming up next. More phone calls as well. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Autograph cards, memorabilia cards, rare inserts, hottest rookie cards, something for everyone in Panini America packs. More than just the NFL as well. Panini is the exclusive home for the NBA, UFC, NASCAR, and collegiate trading cards. You got matchups in week seven, AFC rematch. Zach Wilson going into Foxborough to face Mac Jones. It's the rematch. Heisman headliner, AFC North, Joe Burrow against Lamar Jackson. Things could get personal when Jared Goff goes back to L.A. The Lions facing Matthew Stafford and the Rams. I hope Dan Campbell has a little more confidence in Jared Goff than he did over the weekend. Uh, start or continue your collection at PaniniAmerica.net, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. The exclusive trading card partner also of the NFL. They got the iconic brands like Don Russ, Prism, Contenders, National Treasures, and more. Instant Classics, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. 
Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Update the poll results. More phone calls. Best and worst of the weekend, as we always do. NBA opens up tomorrow night. Kind of snuck up on us. This program brought to you by the CBD trusted by professional athletes. Level Select CBD provides targeted relief. Helps treat everyday discomfort when you need it the most. Go to LevelSelectCBD.com. Use the promo code DP30. $30 off your entire order today. $30 off LevelSelectCBD.com. Promo code DP30. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, and South Dakota. Before we get to Carson, Palmer wanted to play this for you and Carson Here's Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach, talking about Jared Goff after the loss to the Bengals. I feel like he needs to step up more than he has. And I think he, I think he needs to help us, you know, just like everybody else. And uh, I think he, he's, gotta, he's gonna need to put a little bit of weight on his shoulders here and it's time to step up, and make some throws and do some things. And, uh, but he needs help, he needs help. Let's bring in Carson Palmer. Uh, former NFL quarterback, uh, how would you respond to that if you're Jared Goff when your coach says that after a loss? Well, when when Jared was a young quarterback and, and just kind of getting into the game and figuring things out like I was, you learn at a, a very young age playing this position that when you win, you're the hero. When you, when you lose, you're the bum. And there's too much put on you when you win and there's too much put on you when you lose. But I, I think the most important thing that he said, it was at the very end when, when he said he needs help because he needs help. I mean, they can't stop anybody on defense. Offensive line's been an issue. They don't really have many playmakers behind him in the running back position or outside of him at the wide receiver spot. So when you lose, things get, get heaped on you. But there's no doubt Jared Goff needs some help. Have you ever been called out by your coach in a press conference? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. I mean, most times when you lose, they say the quarterback needs to play better. And, and obviously, I think Jared, Jared be the first to tell you he needs to play better. But there's no doubt. I mean, with with his skill set, he needs help. He needs playmakers around him because he doesn't have very many. Explain to me the Chargers got all this love last week and then they go to Baltimore. And that was not an inspiring effort. Like uh, as much as we should compliment the Ravens, Lamar Jackson and their defense, but the Chargers, it felt like, okay, let's see what you got. National stage, and uh, they did not produce. Why? They're not quite there yet. They're, they're not completely ready to be one of the premier teams in the AFC. They've got some really nice nice things about them. they got their, a good young quarterback. they got a Bosa brother down there on the defensive line. Derwin James is an animal and on the back end, a defensive back. You know, at the end of the day, are, are you ready to, you know, all the hype you've been getting as a Charger, are you ready to go into Baltimore in one of the most hostile environments and put out and, and show out and, and prove that you deserve to be talked about as one of the better teams in the AFC? They answered that question for us. They, they went to Baltimore and got blown out. They're not quite there yet, but I'm not giving up on that team. I cannot wait to watch them. How they respond this week is really telling of what kind of team that is, what kind of leadership they have, and who their head coach is. Cardinals go to Cleveland, a banged-up Cleveland team, but they they dominated them. That doesn't feel like everybody's all in on the Cardinals yet. What do you think is the big uh, reason why there's a holdout? Well, it's it's the you know it's the opposite of what we just said about about the Chargers. Can you go into Baltimore 
and win. Well, can, you know, can the, the Cardinals, a 4-0 and team, go out east and, and go into Ohio and beat the Browns? And they beat them decisively. It yeah. wasn't close. I mean, I know that team was beat up, but the Cardinals have heard all that kind of West Coast bias. All, all the real teams are out there on the East Coast. They went into the East Coast, went into Ohio, and got a win that, that you know, they should have won. They, they were playing against uh, a team that was beat up. The Cardinals were extremely healthy. So, I mean, it, you know, it's the same thing we just said about the Chargers. If you're for real, Arizona, go to Ohio and, and leave no doubt on the field who the best team is. And they did that. They are for real. Everybody needs to, re- to respect that team. They're 5-0 and for a reason. You know, they haven't started off uh, against some weak teams. They beat some good teams, especially this last week, going into to Cleveland against a team you know is going to run the ball, try to run the ball down your throat. They went in there. They, they looked really good, and they look like the best team in the league right now. It feels like there's uh, the NFC is top heavy. You got five teams that are at least five and one. You got the Cardinals being undefeated. Dallas wins, put up big numbers, but they allowed New England to take them into overtime. What do you take away from Dallas's win? A win is a win, yeah. especially when you go into New England. I mean, yeah, we, we'd like to walk out with you know a two or three score lead, but a win is a win. The best team most of the time at the end of the day, especially when you go to overtime, finds a way to win. And I don't care if it was close. I don't care how many points they scored or how many points their defense gave up. Dallas is for real. They've got a really nice division uh, for them. They're sitting in, an, in a, at a good spot in a good division. Um, I, I just think they are for real, and they're going to make a run this year. Did you ever find yourself in a competition within a competition against that quarterback on the other team during a game of matching them to do your your part, you know, the stats? You, you tried not to, um, but especially, I don't know if you're referring to, to Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray playing against each other, former teammates at Oklahoma. Um but no doubt. I mean, every quarterback wants to go in and throw for a little bit more yards, have a little bit higher completion percentage and, and have a better QB rating. So um, you, you can try to block that out and you can try to say, you know, it's just about our team playing well and winning. But I think, it, you know, at the at the root of every competitive uh, tussle between two teams, I think down there deep, both those quarterbacks want to have a better statistical day without a doubt. But did you find you did that when you faced Roethlisberger or you've faced, you know, whoever, Brady, whoever you were facing oh, on a regular base, semi-regular basis. Absolutely. I would go in the locker room, you know, hopefully after a win, and I would get the stat sheet right before I went into my press conference post-game, and I would just double-check and see where numbers were. So I, I think it's pretty normal. I would, I would assume just about every quarterback in the league does that. Yeah. Um, but can you – could, did you ever have a, a great game in a loss? Like, can you can you separate what you did as opposed to what your team did? No, I mean, at, at the end of the day, quarterbacks are the only position, and, and really head coaches are the only guys that are judged on wins and losses, not on how many tackles they had or what their defense finished, you know, categorically at the end of the season. It's about wins and losses. As a quarterback, you're judged. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what matters is the win. And then after you get the win, you can, you know, personally look at your own statistics and make sure that, that you had better numbers than your opponent. But it's about the win, no doubt. What the hell happened to the Miami Dolphins? But they're, who, they're who we thought they were. I mean, a, a lot of people got, you know, jumped on the bandwagon, got excited about that team, got excited about Brian Flores. And, you know, he's the first 
you know, Bill Belichick understudy to go on and have success. He hadn't had success yet. I mean, that, that team was really sexy preseason because they had all the draft picks. They had all the cap space. They're still not a very good football team. You, you know, they got a gift win against New England, and now they've lost five in a row. Then you lose to Jacksonville in London, and they don't have their first-round pick. Philadelphia has that. I mean, that's, that's a tough situation to be. And then I don't even know if they're all in on Tua uh, because, you they're, know, they're, right? They're not. Yeah, they're simply not. I mean, they thought the Deshaun Watson trade, I think it looks like it, and it seems like everything was pointing towards them being able to acquire Deshaun this offseason. Obviously, that didn't happen because of all the, the off-the-field stuff going on in, in Deshaun's life. But, um, you know, I, I think they realized pretty early on that, that Tua might not be the right guy. That's why you saw Ryan Fitzpatrick playing early on. Um, and now you're seeing some real struggles. So I, I think that Deshaun Watson trade, uh, they were eyeing that. They were hoping that happened. It didn't. So, I mean, they can have all the first-round picks and, and they can have all the cap room, but if you don't have your um, your QB of the future, then you're still going to be constantly looking for him and, and wanting him, trying to trade for him, trying to draft him, whatever it may be in, in the future of, of Miami. But I just don't see Tua being the guy there long-term. He's Carson Palmer, former NFL quarterback who joins us every Monday. The difference between college and pros, we hear this a lot. In in college, you throw to the guy who's open. In the pros, you have to throw a guy open. Explain that difference and how long did it take for you to be able to understand that concept? Yeah, in college, I mean, you have the the ability to sit back and wait for a receiver to get open and then throw it. So that the receiver, once he gets the top of his route and breaks in or out, can get his eyes back to the quarterback and see the ball coming at him. That's because in college, most guys in the back end run four, five to four, six, 40 yard dash. And so when you get to the NFL, just about everybody on the back end runs four, three to four, four, which means all of those windows are smaller. The ball can't be in the air for longer, for very much longer because defensive backs are closing on it. So you have to know that your receiver is getting up to 10 yards and he's breaking in and you need to throw that ball when he's about seven or eight yards past the line of scrimmage into his route so that when he rounds those last two yards and is coming in, he will not see the ball come off your fingertips. He will turn his head to the quarterback and the ball will be about halfway to him. In the NFL and, and in college, you know, that that small difference in a 40-yard dash time means those windows close extremely fast and guys are only open for really a very short period of time. And in college, you see, you know, you watch Oklahoma play, you see guys running, you know, wide open, butt naked down the middle of the field. You just do not see that at the NFL level. That's the difference between when you have guys that run 4-3 in college and you're playing against guys that run 4-6. Once you get to the NFL, everybody's running 4-3, 4-4. So those windows and those butt-naked receivers aren't running wide open down the middle of the field. That, that's just a, that's a football term, right? Butt-naked? Butt-naked, yeah. Every coach uses it. Oh, they do? You can use it too, Dan. Yeah, oh, cool. okay. All right. So give me another term I haven't heard. Uh, that's clean. No. Uh, <laughs> that's Wait, a tough one. What do you mean that's clean? That's you know family friendly. Yeah, but like I'm assuming this is Disney ish, aren't we on ESPN no, no, Disney? No, like no, we're not. No, we're not. We're not on. We're on. We're on Peacock. Uh, but yeah, Peacock. There you go. Butt naked open. Um, or or if we're on Peac Peacock, can I say wide ass open? Yeah, you can. Sure. Why not? Okay. So that, that works too. I think that's a show on Peacock. 
White House Open. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you start to look at Dak Prescott and you come off that injury. And we talked about this before where you can't think about the injury. And it seems like he's pretty comfortable in whatever. I don't like him throwing 50 times. It feels like they're a whole lot better when they run more than they pass. But what did you make of Dak Prescott? I think he's throwing the ball better than I've seen him throw the ball in the first five years of his career. Um, he, he threw on the run, working his way up to the line of scrimmage, a high angle corner route that was one of the most beautiful balls I've seen throw this season. You're not seeing any lingering issues in his uh, or his confidence, any lingering issues confidence wise and stepping up in the pocket, moving around. I've seen him break numerous tackles. He's not, you know, gingerly moving around. Um, you know, he, he's not overly concerned. You can tell, you know, as, you know, year one post-surgery, there's always going to be naturally some some things holding you back. But as far as when he hits the grass and, and it's Sunday, he looks really confident in in the stability of his leg. He looks really confident in the guys around him. He's playing with a smile on his face. I mean, there, there's no more pressure than a quarterback's playing under than than Dak Prescott in Dallas for the Cowboys. So, I mean, he just looks he just looks back. He looks healthy. It's really fun to watch. Did people taunt like uh, this, this whole taunting rule and and how players respond? Did did players did you ever taunt when you were in the NFL? Not really. I mean, it, it was talking trash. You know that that the fun part of talking trash. Um, is they're trying to kind of wipe that off the game. Um, you know, you think back to like one of my favorite players to watch ever was Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers would only be moving backwards if he were playing in today's game. I mean, he talked more than anybody and and I guess you can call it taunted, but it was just talking trash and, and it was part of the game. It was fun. Uh, back in my day, I mean, Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco sent a box of Pepto-Bismol to Cleveland before we were playing Cleveland. He sent us the deep. Is that taunting? Can you get, can you get a 15 yard penalty on Thursday? If you send Pepto-Bismol to the, to the Cleveland Browns, what are, what's it's just Phillip, getting out of control. What's Philip Rivers saying on the field? It's all clean. I've yeah, never course. heard him curse. <laughs> I, I've yet to hear him curse, but he's just having fun. I mean, that, that's the game. You're allowed to talk. You, sh- you used to be allowed to talk. You, you know, there was always, um, some razzing going back and forth. And now it looks like and feels like they're trying to get rid of it. Um, but I don't, I don't think, I think, I think Philip would have a number of fines going into week seven. Uh, is it six now? Week seven? Seven. But yeah. so he would just say, you know, you can't stop us or, you know, you can't, you know, gosh dang it, you can't sack me or. Yeah, or don't try to bring that will free safety blitz on me and he throws it the other way for a touchdown. I mean, he was always constantly talking and, and that's what got him going. And it pissed off guys on the other side of the ball. But that's just that's the way that I grew up playing football in the game I, I knew. Today's game, they're just trying to get rid of it and it is what it is. Okay, but when a guy sacks you and he stands over you and then walks over you like that always bothered me that's where i want to like reach my hand up and you know hit you in the groin if you step over me did you ever- yeah that that's that's really disrespectful at the end of the day you're getting into being a respectful player by you know i, I don't think there's anything disrespectful about talking trash but when you stand over a player or spike the ball in their fl- face 
or do the Allen Iverson Ty- Tyron Lou where he walked over him <laughs> after he hit that three pointer like that is that's starting to cross the line of being disrespectful. I think that's what they're trying to get out of the way and get out of the game. Unfortunately, when the league decides to get rid of something, they decide to get rid of it entirely. So you're not allowed to talk to any other, you know, any other player in the field that's not one of your team members. Uh, they're just trying to wipe it out of the game, unfortunately. Great to talk to you as always, Carson. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dan. That's Carson Palmer. His weekly appearance during the NFL season brought to you by our partner, Level Select CBD. Looking for next level relief? Visit levelselectcbd.com. A couple of phone calls. That always bothered me the most. If somebody tackled me or sacked me and I'm a quarterback and then you step over me, to me, that's the ultimate sign of disrespect. That's where you just want to put your hand up, just, you know, give a cup check to somebody. Yeah, see. It feels worse on the basketball court, though. Somebody steps over you. Yeah. At the, okay. Oh, yeah, no, no. Now we got a problem. Yeah, we can't have that. Yeah, McLovin. I think the NFL has got a bigger problem with all these butt naked wide receivers running around. <laughs> wide ass open. Yes, Paulie. It goes back to what you said earlier, though. Where was the outbreak of fights in the NFL? Like, it's not like um, someone got their hand broken because they swung at someone's helmet. I, it doesn't seem like there was out. Sometimes there's a, a spike in fights in hockey and people go crazy. There, there wasn't this in the NFL. No, that, that's why I kept saying, okay, where's the fighting here? couple of phone calls. Jason in Nebraska. Hey, Jace, best and worst of the weekend. Hey, Danny and Danette. Love you guys. Thank you. Um, first, thank you for uh, adding Lincoln, Nebraska, to your uh, firing list of stations. Um, my best is going to be the Atlanta Braves. And as a New York Mets fan, that's probably blasphemy. But, man, it's just really good baseball. And it's the reason why I love baseball these last two games. And my worst is first being a New York Mets fan and New York Giants fan right now. But being a Nebraska Cornhuskers fan. I tell you what, Danny, every team out there right now is vulnerable in college. Every team is vulnerable. And, yet this could have been a nice season. We're going to end up 5-7. and ridiculous and embarrassment thanks guys love you <laughs> thank you jason <laughs> it's like thank you for uh you know let me lie down on your couch as my therapist there i mentioned back on october 6th that ed orgeron was going to be fired by lsu at the end of the season uh just came out over the weekend that they're going to buy him out and uh there's a it's a lot more than just football stuff there's a lot more attached to this and whether it comes out or not really doesn't matter uh, but uh, Coach O did talk about not living up to expectations. I knew the expectation of LSU when I took the job. I told you that. I understand the expectation. I invite them. 2019, what a magical run. But you know what? Because of the players. But I knew we had to sustain that momentum. And we had to sustain that standard. And I know that the last two years hasn't been the standard of LSU. So when he came and talked to me after the Kentucky game, I knew that it was time. And I understand that. I understand the expectations of LSU. And I invited myself. And we did not meet him the last two years. I, I'm honored that I got to be the head coach at LSU. But I'm always going to appreciate my time here. I have no regrets. Not one day. I was not going to have a bad day. I'm not going to blink. I told you guys that. You know, the circumstances that we haven't won enough games in the last two years, I totally get it. Uh, Coach O will be, uh, he'll step down at the uh, end of the season. I think everybody wins. They need to move on and open up the job. You know, and, and, and one of the reasons I was told that every 
you know, some of these programs need to be in on the Arch Manning sweepstakes. It's really important. And right now, LSU is not in on the sweepstakes there. Uh, you know, it's Alabama, Clemson, and Texas. That was as of two weeks ago when uh, my source told me that, you know, Coach O was going to be fired. There are various reports that came out this weekend about this, but this was a fait accompli from what I was told on October 6th. That's why I brought it to your attention. Yeah, Paul. Quick hypothetical. If you were got offered the LSU job and the USC job, same money, which would you take? Money's I, exact. I could get LSU or USC? Yep. Uh, I need to know a little bit more about the hierarchy at USC. Like, are, are they all in on returning to glory? LSU's always all in. Um, Good question, by the way. That what you just said there, like, you got to know what you're getting into before you sign up. I want to know how important the success of the football team I'm taking over is to you, to the athletic director, to the president, to the chancellor. Let's take a break. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow, right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories. You download it. You listen to it. I think you'll like it. Listen to All Ball with Doug Gottlieb on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Last call for phone calls. What we learn, what's in store tomorrow. By the way, there are odds out next head coach at LSU. How about this one? The leading candidate right now, and of course these are unscientific uh, odds, he is currently coaching in the SEC. Anybody want to take a guess? The odds-on favorite to coach LSU. The usual? Yeah. Lane Kiffin. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati head coach. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's in there. Bill O'Brien is in there. Mark Stoops, Bob Stoops. Uh, <laughs> any other Stoops? Uh, James Franklin. Joe Brady, former uh, offensive coordinator at LSU, now with Carolina coming back. I'd keep an eye on Bill O'Brien, even though – He's not inspiring as a head coach, but you know he's a, a talented football guy. Luke Fickle, I, I keep, I'm told that he doesn't want to leave the Midwest. Cincinnati's head coach. That's why his name was brought up at uh, USC. Yes, McLovin. How about an NFL team uh, backs up the Brinks truck for Ryan Day at Ohio State? Then Luke Fickle goes up north. Is that up north from Cincinnati? Uh, yeah, but I that I could see. You mentioned Ryan. I think you said something. Not that you're. I, reporting that no, 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 no. I, I was just told when Urban went to the NFL and I was told by a, a source, Ryan Day would be a better head coach for Trevor Lawrence than Urban Meyer because he's the uh, Ohio State head coach. He's he's a better offensive mind than Urban Meyer. That's what I was told, whether that is true or not. But that's what I was told before Urban got there. Yeah, McLevin. We were just talking about there's going to be a lot of NFL vacancies that they might dip into some of these colleges and create even more vacancies. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, you know, you still have USC open as well. So USC and LSU, those are you know two plum positions there. Fritzy keeps saying, don't take phone calls, but I say, why not, Todd? The phone call's been great Take today. a couple. So. All right. Nathan in L.A. Nathan, good morning. Best and worst of the weekend. Good morning. Yes, I have a best and a worst and a very quick honorable mention. Okay. My best My best is the very fact that the Cardinals-Browns was kind of the marquee game this, last, this past week. I kind of like those those two teams being kind of on the top of the top of the chart there. Uh, worst of the week, I think, is LSU lame ducking their coach for the next seven weeks. I mean, in my opinion, if you're going to fire a guy, fire a guy. I don't see a point in leaving him there. Yep. And my honorable mention, giving a punter a little bit of love. I forget his name, but I believe the Packers punter kicked an 82-yarder yesterday. Wait, I don't know if you got to you, see Nathan. that. Thank you, Nathan. You can't give a punter love and then you don't know his name. Like, part of giving him love is to mention his name. Yeah, <laughs> an 82-yard. Did you? Were you guys aware of an 82-yard punt, McLevin? I just googled it. Corey Bajorquez. Of course. Nailed the 82 yards. 82 yards. I think if you hit an 82 yard, that guy should know your name. Yeah. Well, maybe he couldn't pronounce it. Maybe but, that's what. Bajorquez is a fun name to say. Pejorative. <laughs> I think I'm doing that wrong, but I'm looking up the pronunciation guide now. Uh, Gary in Iowa. Hi, Gary. What's on your mind? Um, thank you for taking my call, Dan. Sure. Dan, that's, I appreciate it. Uh, worst and best of the weekend. Uh, worst of the weekend is my Iowa Hawkeyes losing mm-hmm. at the Purdue. Mm-hmm. And which, by the way, Paul and Iowa, don't don't be mad at Big Brother. Yes, we're family. Don't, don't be mad we, uh, we lost one game. Or be happy about that, I guess I should say. Uh, best of the weekend is my Steelers staying up late last night to watch them win in overtime. Uh, maybe you could clarify something for me. I'm not sure the uh, the foul on uh, J.J. Watt for trying to punch the ball out. Was it just aesthetically the way it looked? Is that why he got the foul, or were you only allowed to try to punch the ball out one time? I think that it uh, might be not- that he was swinging. It's T.J. Watt, and he was it was excessive, and it was over. He was swinging over the top instead of underneath, and maybe that's the the optics, as we like to say. Didn't look good. Yeah, Paul. When you have a motor that high, you can't be blamed for it. No, of course, of course not. Of course not. Uh, let's see. This day in sports history, Paul. Uh, this day in sports history, there's a couple good ones. Uh, the first NCAA rules were drawn up in 1873 by representatives from Rutgers, Yale, Columbia, and Princeton. Mm-hmm. 1924, Red Grange of Illinois scored four touchdowns in 12 minutes in the first half of the game. He scored a fifth touchdown, had an intercepted pass, threw a touchdown, and caught a touchdown in the second half. And, oh. 1967, the American League granted permission for the A's to move to Oakland. New franchises were awarded to Kansas City and Seattle. It was on this date, the uh, first ever quadruple double in the NBA by a big man. And he played for a variety of teams. I think he went to Bowling Green. Bowling Green. He had 22 points, 14 rebounds, 13 assists, 12 blocks. Nate Thurman. You could win some money on that one. Yes, he. By the way, Yale, Princeton, and Rutgers are often grouped together in terms of schools. Yale, Rutgers. That was the NCAA. It was like oh, Yale, yeah. Princeton, Harvard, Rutgers. Rutgers. That's right. 
What we learned brought to you by the Compact GLA proves it's not the size of the SUV in the fight. Size of the fight in the SUV, learn more. But the nimble and ready for anything Mercedes-Benz vehicle at MBUSA.com. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Thanks for the phone calls. Great to hear from you. Have a great day. For Seton, Paulie, Fritzy, McLovin, yours truly here on the Dan Patrick Show. Talk to you tomorrow. 